Matthew 9:35-38, Jesus traveled through all the town and villages of that area, teaching in synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness, and when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to God, who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Riley. You may be seated. Grab your Bibles. I am excited to be back, and, and, and I'll share more about my excitement to be back as we move on, but not today. That's not why we're here. Uh, today's not about me or even the Troyers. Today's about Jesus Christ, and that is why we gather. Um, so let me ask you a question. Hopefully you got a bulletin on the way in. On the back, in your bulletin, there's a thing we call the training worksheet. On the back of the training worksheet are what we call training our talking points. And so I want to ask you our first talking points question. Because we're talking today about making room for God. So my question is, what kinds of things get in our way of making room for God? We've just been praying for people who have made space for God to work in and through them. We've, made, um, we've talked about how, or we've already even prayed that that would be part of our own heart's motive, would be to make room for God to use us. What kinds, but practically, let's just get real, like what kinds of things get in the way of that? Technology. Technology huge one right there. Guys, well, like, well, one of the things I committed to doing in, during our break, and I haven't even gotten back to it, even though I've been back for over a week now, is I got off of social media altogether. I'm not anti-social media. We use so, so, social media. I cannot believe how much more reading about good things I've gotten done since I put all that, took all that stuff off my phone. It, it's been amazing to me. I'm not sure I'm going back. So, Media, not just social media, how about Netflix, I mean the streaming services, how about, like you name it, like there's all kinds of things. What else gets in the way? Busyness of life. Guys, you think about, you know, it used to be when you say hey, somebody, hey, how are you doing today, Sean? The answer was always good. Whether it was, whether he was or not, his answer was good. Now the answer is either one of two things, I'm tired or I'm busy, right? How does that happen? Okay, What else? Self-focused focus. Like, whose kingdom am I really living for? Right, guys, we have, we have got to get better. Not just cross-trained church, but certainly cross-trained church has got to get better at showing God to be the God worthy of pursuit that he is. Right? We have got to get better at showing Jesus as the better way, as showing the Bible as the better way to live. Guys, we need to admit our own failures in this as a church. We need to, we need to admit that, that the reason Christianity is losing in America isn't because the liberals have gotten their way, it's because the church hasn't done its job. And we need to understand that. We need to, like, we need, because if we don't start there, and all we do is blame those people, we've, we've missed the point. Right? We have got to get better at living our lives for God and his kingdom. So one of the things we're going to talk about during this seven-week series um, on Gospel Conversations is I'm going to ask you to ask these questions. Like every morning, every morning that you get up, every time when you walk into your place of work, when you go to your favorite coffee shop or store, when you're making connections with people here or out there, guys, whatever it is, ask yourself the question, am I making room for God? Am I making room for God in this relationship? Am I making room for God in this moment? Am I making room for God in my life? Or am I just all about me? 
And that takes us to the question that I'm asking today. So if we say, okay, so I need to make some space for God, how do I do that? Like, like practically speaking, how do I make room for God? And we're going to, through the seven weeks, we're going to talk about that, through the seven weeks of this series, but we're going to look at, the, the way we're going to talk about it is we're going to let Jesus tell us how to make room for him by, by looking at seven different snippets in the Gospels. And today we're in Matthew chapter 9, which um, Riley just read. So turn and open up your Bibles to Matthew 9. Guys, I want you to open up your Bible or, or grab your phone and use a Bible-like substance. If you need a Bible, we have lots of them. Raise your hand and somebody will put it in there. But guys, you've, you, need to, you need to read this for your own, with your own eyes. If you do not, if you just take it because it's coming out of this mouth, you will not be as strong in your faith. This is where the power is, living and active, right? I don't make it living and active, it just is. And so you need to get your face into this book. And so if you need a Bible, grab a, raise your hand, someone will put it in there, but we're going to look at how in, just in these four verses in Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, we're going to look at how, how do we make room? We make room by, and these are all outlined in your little, on your little sheet here, we're going to make room by knowing Christ's message, we're going to make room by seeing Christ's heart, and we're going to make room by being part of Christ's um, solution. So those are, and, and, I'll, and I'll cover all those as we go. So I'm going to just jump right in to the, first, um, to the first point. So how do we make room for God? We make room for God, verse, for, verse 35, by knowing Christ's message. Christ's message is the gospel. Christ is the gospel. If you had to summarize the gospel in just three words, it would be this, God with us. This story from beginning to end, literally from beginning, Genesis 1, 21 through 28, from beginning to Revelation 22, is about God with us. Right? And, and, and so as we, look at, as we look at his message, look at what he says. It says and, in verse 35, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Guys, first I just want to point out something. Jesus goes to all of the cities and villages and he heals every kind of disease and affliction. I love that my Savior is a Savior that goes to all people. He does not have favorites. And there are no sins or afflictions that he's not willing to heal if you bring them to him. Right? That's my God. If you're a Christian, that's your God. If you're not a Christian, would you like to know that God? Guys, would you like to know a God that is worthy of making room for? Because one, he is God. And two, he made you in his image. And he is, he is desiring to restore that image. For his glory. Because his image is glorious. So one, I love that he goes to all people and he's healing every kind of disease. Now, and I look at, and Jesus' Jesus's ministry was characterized by three things. And they're listed right here. This is what Jesus made room for while he was walking around on the planet. He made room for teaching, for, the ESV calls it proclaiming, but it's actually preaching, and for healing. Now, I'll start with healing. Healing is the, is the, is the in the Greek there, it's therapuo. What does that sound like, therapuo? Therapy. So he's not just healing physically, he's healing spiritually, he's healing emotionally, he's therapizing people, 
right? Now, guys, understand something, though. Why did Jesus heal people? We pray for healing here, but why, why did Jesus heal people? It was to point them to the king. It was to point them to the kingdom. Healing is not the end. Healing is a means to the end. How do we know that? Well, for example, like in John chapter 9, when they're walking by the blind guy, Jesus and the disciples are walking by the, the blind guy um, who's, who's outside begging at the temple, and they walk by and they go, hey, is, was it this guy who sinned or his parents? Because they had this idea that for somebody to be blind, sin had to be involved. That's not biblical. It's just what they thought. And remember what Jesus said? He said, it isn't, he heals the guy from blindness. But he doesn't, he doesn't say, it's not because of this guy's sin or his parents' sin. It's so I might be glorified in healing him. It's so that I might, in the act of healing, point out, here's who I am. So healing isn't, I'm, we're not trying to diminish healing. We're just trying to keep it in the, in, the, in the parameters Jesus put it in. It is always to point people to Christ. Right, that's all, and, and ultimately, what is indisputable is what Jesus did most of isn't heal people, it's teach and preach. Right, teaching is didasco in English, it's just this Q, so teaching is this idea of Q&Aing, it's kind of what we try to do here as best we can with a group this big, but try to questions and answers is what our D groups are about, um, it's what the study that, we're, that we have available for the, that's out, on, out in the lobby for the God space um, part of the study that we're going through, it has, it's just a, a whole bunch of good questions to ask and dialogue together, that's teaching. Preaching is publicly proclaiming the good news. Those two things marked Christ's ministry way more than anything else. How do we know that? Here's one of the ways we know that. In Mark chapter 1, if you're taking notes, just don't turn there. I'm preaching. But right now, just write down Mark 1, 35 through 38. Mark 1, 35 through 38. It says, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus went to be by himself to pray to the Father. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. What had Jesus been doing early in the morning, like three or four in the morning? What had he been doing all night long prior to that? Healing people. He, he leaves there. There's still a mass of people. In fact, he leaves to go pray. The disciples are like, we've got to go find him. Like, this is what everybody's here for is this healing. He's, they find him praying. They say, hey, don't you know that the whole world is looking for you? What are you doing here by yourself? And he says, we are going to go to other towns and villages and teach the kingdom of God because that is why I came. Guys, discipleship matters massively to Jesus. Guys, like it or not, just understand this. I want you to look around the room. Just like take a minute, just look around. We are God's solution to the world's problem. Yeah, oh boy. I know. Isn't that crazy? Like, his only plan for sharing the gospel to the whole world is the goofball sitting next to you. Like, that's it. He, he didn't wait for the internet to come. He doesn't use email. He uses life-on-life life discipleship. That was, his goal was to replicate himself into 12 complete goofballs that they might take the gospel to the whole world. And guys, that is still his only plan. When we look out at the world and we go, how can the world be this way? Why doesn't somebody do something about this and get these people to follow the Bible? The answer is, why aren't you doing it? Because you are the solution he has. He's like, I did do something. I saved you. 
I gave you the word. I've put my spirit in you. Why aren't you doing something about it? Turn to your second talking points question. Again, these are in the back of your handout in your, in your bulletin that you're taking notes on. It says, the truth of the gospel is the only hope the world has. No, really, the only hope. There is no other hope. Guys, if we heal somebody physically, praise the Lord. I mean, if, if, if we pray and somebody is healed physically, praise the Lord. Their life is better. Unless they're spiritually healed, we've done literally nothing. Right? That's, that's the reality. We've, we've got to come to grips with that. The only hope is the gospel. If we feed people, we, we talked about like Mark and Meg in Costa Rica and Jeffrey and, and Numan and all that are feeding people. That is a good, good and right gospel thing to do. But the only reason we partner with all of those entities is because they also, you know what they're all about, every one of them? Making disciples. That's what they're about. Because they know if, we, if all we do is, is save these people from slavery in the brick kilns, and feed them and care for them, maybe their next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years is better. And their eternity, like forever, is still the same. That is a poor way to invest. Right? So, so all right, so keep going with this, with this. So he says, so everything else that we have going on, every other kind of ministry we do is, is either a Band-Aid to give temporary relief um, or, or, I'm sorry, is, is either window dressing at its worst or a band-aid of temporary relief at its best. Cross Trains Training Center is designed to teach you how to know and teach the hope-giving truth of the gospel to a world that, needs, that, that has no hope. Are you being trained? So let me ask you a question. So, so we, we just finished um, in the training center. We just finished... Uh, the training center is our program that we use to train people to teach God's truth. That's part of our mission, or that is our mission statement, right? Out, on the, out in the lobby at the Connect table, there's a little handout that talks about our training program. It has all the resources that you would need. It's also on our website. Um, we had 43 completers of the practical theology class that we just finished this last spring. 43. If you are in that class and you finished, raise your hand. Praise Jesus. I know some of, many of them are gone. They're on vacation. They're, uh, we had four, some not even from our church, which was awesome also. We had 43 people that are better equipped to not only know the truth, but teach the truth. Now this fall, we're going to start up, Lord willing, Old Testament survey in September. It'll be Tuesdays, mornings, and evenings in September. It's going through the Old Testament in a way you've probably never seen it before. Um, it's my favorite class to teach. It'll be right here, Tuesday mornings, Tuesday evenings. I want to challenge you. We're talking about making room for God. I want to challenge everybody in here, whether you're part of Cross Train or not, make room for God by getting to know his message better. Because that's what G Jesus is. He is preaching what? The gospel, the euangelion of the kingdom. Do you remember what, G what in our, we're, we're doing Romans outside of the summer study, and we'll, Lord willing, get back there in August. Do you remember what Jesus, or what Paul says in Romans? How does he start Romans? Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the euangelion. Why is he not ashamed of it? Because he's like, it's the only power in the whole world by which the righteousness of God is revealed to people who need it. And then the whole rest of the letter is just about how that happens. We have got to get better at taking the good news to them. Not waiting for them to come to us. Those days, if they ever were a thing in our country, they're long gone. 
Right? We have got to get better at t- the, the mission. F- missionaries in places like in Africa and places. Somebody pray like isn't it awesome that they pray for us? Right? Do you, do you realize that, that there are mission, like there are or- places we used to send people to are now sending people back here? Do you know why? Because they hear about how pathetic Christianity is in the United States of America. That's crazy to me. It's just what has happened to the church. So, we got to keep going. So how do we make room for God? One, we have to know Christ's message. The second thing is, we have to see Christ's heart. Here's my favorite part of this passage we're in. So now we're in the second point, verse 36. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Depending on your translation, it might translate those words a little bit differently to, to bring a little more nuance to it, but I love how it, what, here's what it shows. It shows Christ's heart for the broken. Guys, Jesus blessed the broken, right? He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gave hearing to the deaf. He, to the deaf. he, he looked for the lost. Why? Because that's his heart. Because that's his heart for you. Do you understand, like, when you're reading that passage... If you're already saved, we should be reading it asking ourselves this question. Do I have his heart for those people? When I look out at the crowd, when I see what's going on in our country, when I'm, when I'm unfortunately having to be at the mall for some strange reason, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what are people wearing these days, right? Do I go, oh, how could they? How can they behave that way? How can they act that way? How can they vote that way? How can they, and, or do we go, you know what, of course they do. Of course they're that way. How can they not be unless they're saved? They're just doing what the world does. There are only two kingdoms, Christ's and everything else. That's the only thing. That's, that's the difference. And so, so I, one, do we have the heart to see people healed, not just physically and emotionally, but spiritually? Do we see, because having a heart starts with seeing them. And this is one of the things that this study in the God Space book is really going to help us with. It's going to give us activities and questions to do together that cultivate eyes to see, like in a heart to feel for those people and just go, man, like I need to change my perspective. So I want to encourage you to get into it, to jump into, to start a D group. Everything you need is out there on the table. Easy peasy. It's an easy read, easy studies. Um, but I just want to, because it will cultivate in you prayerfully, Christ's heart. Because his heart is broken for the brokenness of this world. The question I have to ask myself is, is mine? And just a really pathetic way to do it. So so when somebody cuts me off on the freeway, is my attitude, how dare they? Don't they know who I am? I might not actually say that out loud. I might not even think that in my brain, but that's what my emotions are feeling. Or do I go man, they're just part of the self-paced, self-ish, self-self-self-world. And if I respond in a self-ish way, I'm no different. And that, we play that out a hundred times throughout our day. Guys, I want to show you, I want to go back to our um, calling passage, and I want to show you why this, this idea of um, sharing Christ's heart is, is a call on all of us. That was Ezekiel 34. So go back. So go to the left of where we were in Ezekiel. 
um, or in Matthew to Ezekiel. It's, if you get to like Isaiah and Jeremiah, you've gone too far. So just turn to the left to where we are until you get to Ezekiel chapter 34. And I'm going to read that calling passage again and just make as few comments as I can. Um, but because I want, I want you to see, and was already prayed for, and I know Stephanie grabbed a hold of it um, in her prayer time, and, and like, is that um, is, is God's heart for shepherding. But here's, but here's the thing. Too many of you, when you heard that read by Brian or you heard it prayed during prayer time, you thought to yourself, man, that doesn't apply to me. Without getting into all the ecclesiology of the church in Israel and everything else, we don't have time for that. We talked about it in the training center. We'll talk about it some more in the Old Testament class. Guys, I, I just want you to understand something. It applies to you. It just does. It applies. It doesn't, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not a shepherd. Guys, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ... Guess what? You are. Luther, Martin Luther, Reformation, the thing that he really was against in the Catholic Church was the fact that they felt like there was, the, that the common person couldn't go to God. Only, they would call them priests, pastors can do that. He wrote about this thing called the priesthood of all believers meaning every single person who is saved and sealed in the Holy Spirit and has his word, this applies. There is no context in Scripture for the disciple of Jesus Christ who is not discipling people in Jesus Christ. There just isn't. That is not a pastor's job. It's not the elder's job. It's our job. And since we're part of our, it's my job. But that's not what makes me a discipler. All of us, this applies to all of us. So, look, so with that, look at what he says. The word of the Lord came to me. The Son of Man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Again, what I just said. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? Guys, think about what I was just talking about in our first point. How do we feed ourselves? The answer is, man, I probably could go help that person. I could probably go take care of this situation. I could probably be you know, showing up to a discipleship group. I could probably fill in the blanks. But what I'd rather do is sit here and binge watch Netflix. That is a, that is a shepherd, if you're, a, if you're a believer, that is a shepherd feeding themselves in this day and age. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves in the wool. You slaughter fat ones and you do not feed the sheep. Guys, time is the most precious commodity you've got. You want to question whether you're actually doing any of this or not? You don't have to. Just check your calendar. Check your day planner. Think, just think ahead to what you have planned this week. How much of it has any kingdom of God significance whatsoever? The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, the, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Guys, look, if this does not describe the current state of the church in America, I don't know what does. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. He's like, none, and then he keeps going, none of you searched for them. Therefore, the shepherds hear my word. And then he gives this judgment on the shepherds. And at the very end, look at verse 11. In the interest of time, I'll just jump down there. He says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep. 
Now you say, okay, great. That's, that is Jesus. Right? This, is, this was written 500 years before Christ came. So that is Christ coming to seek and save that which is lost. But guys, what are we supposed to be as Christians? We're supposed to be walking in his footsteps. 1 John 2.6 says, Those who abide in him, those who call themselves Christian, are to walk in the manner in which he walks. This is, this is just, we, we, we cannot, we do not have the freedom as Christians to go, well, that's between them and the Lord. Right? My relationship, this is what we've turned Christianity, this is why the church has failed in America. Christianity became all this. Right? Just make me better, help me out, comfort me, like, let me grow in my faith, let me get knowledge for knowledge's sake, and let me get, let me know, but it was all of this, there's no, yeah, it's all, this only occurs biblically, spiritually, so that this can happen. That's it. So if you're wondering, man, why, yeah, I really, I, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time, I haven't really grown very much, I would ask you a question, how much of this has been going on in your life? Because I, pr- I promise, I promise you, you do a little bit of this, a whole lot of this will start happening. I promise. I, I, take me up on it. If I'm wrong in August, come up and tell me I'm wrong, I'll take you to lunch. I will. I'm telling you, you start getting involved in the lives of people. You start making disciples, and you watch God show up. Look at your last talking points, and we're going to actually start landing this plane sooner than most of you think at this point. <laughs> says, having a heart for this broken world starts in by seeing it as broken, seeing people as hurting. Guys, every... Let the underlying circle burn this sentence into your brain. Everyone is hurting. Everyone. Everyone. The ones that are hurting the most are probably the ones that are showing it the least. Everyone is hurting. See them that way. Right? Rather than what can I get from them, hey, how can I help you? Is there something I can do for you? How can I pray for you? These are the things that the study in the God Space study is going to help us with. It says, how can you get better at seeing through the compassionate eyes of Christ? Guys, first we, get, we, need to, we need to, one, if we would just recognize what Christ has done for us, just how broken we were before he fixed us in Christ, that ought to, all by itself, that ought to motivate us, right? And then you go, okay, so with that, do I then see those people as Apart from the grace of God, there go I, which compels me to engage with them and see how I can help them. Guys, this study will help us, this, this, not just through the seven different snippets in the Gospels, but this study in the book and in the, in the D groups that you're going to be doing will help us cultivate this heart and these eyes like nothing else we've ever done. I promise you. Because, because, because what we're going to do is look at what Je- we're going to look at Jesus' heart for the world, for the broken world, and that that will transform you. So let's get to our last our last point. So, how do we make room for God? We know Christ's message. We see Christ's heart. The last thing is we be part of Christ's solution, guys. Like it or not, as crazy as it seems, we are God's solution to taking the gospel to the whole world. That's just the truth. He doesn't have a plan B. He doesn't. 
We are it. When his plan, plan B, and again, don't want to get involved in eschatology here. We talked about that at the foundation or in the in the in the training center. But guys, when his plan B, which is his second coming, comes, it's too late. Amen. Right. In the meantime, we're it. We're it. We have nobody to blame for the condition of this world but us. That's the reality. So, look at what he says. Oh, I got to go back to Matthew, sorry. Last two verses. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Guys, the enemy has, bought it, has, has gotten us to buy into a lie that says the harvest is not plentiful. I'm telling you right now, it is, because it says so right here. In Luke's recording of this event, he's about to send out the 70 or 72 to go and witness, and he says to them, The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, so pray to the Lord of the harvest. And then he says this, you, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's what Carrie prayed without knowing I was going to talk about it. Guys, we, we, does, that's how it feels. It feels like sheep in the midst of wolves. Why? Again, I didn't know she was going to pray this, but it's because God loves the wolves. Because apart from Christ, guess what you are? A wolf. Now look at the last verse there. Therefore, here's the solution. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Guys, do you see where I get this idea that we're it? We're the only solution? He doesn't say, so pray that the Holy Spirit will just rain down. I mean, that's going to happen at Pentecost. Why? So that believers can be empowered to go share the gospel. His answer is, Man, there's a lot of people out there that are broken and needy, and the solution is pray for harvesters. Pray for people to work the fields. Who are those people? Every, yeah, every hand in the room ought to be up. Guys, if you're a Christian, every hand in the room, who, we are it. Not just the ones we prayed for that, we, that are all over the globe. Guys, we are it. We are God's plan. That's it. Matthew 28, 18 through through 20 says, Lo, all authority everywhere has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Everything everywhere is mine, spiritually and physically. Therefore, in light of that power, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And then this is the promise we all want to hang on to. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because Christian, oh Lord, sweet Jesus, just be with me today. Get me through today. Get me, 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 me. <gasps> we are so consumed in ourselves. I am too. We just are. Hey, we've got to get over that. This is where, it's where I started. Because we have got to own the fact that the church has sold a version of Christianity that says, the reason you get saved is for your eternity. And in the meantime, He's just going to be a sweet, loving friend to you. That is not the gospel. It just isn't. The gospel is God with us, redeeming and restoring us. That is the only hope the world has. Because I'm going to take the time, and I'm going to invite up some people that don't know I'm inviting them up. So you five, minus my wife. Come on up here, please. I'm going to do a little demonstration. So you five minus my wife, come up here. I'm going to take the time to do this. It's a demonstration that, that you'll actually do in your D groups. It's part of, it's, I didn't make this up, but everybody hold hands, make a circle, hold hands. No, not this way. You get over there and you get over here. What am I 
if you if you don't know why that's if you if you don't know why that's funny, then you don't know really what's going. But go ahead, you know, back. No, everybody up on the stage. Okay. Okay. Guys, here's here's a picture of the church, a bunch of Christians holding hands, right? Here's the problem. They're all looking inward. Now here's here's what we've sold even more so. Man, look at how bad the world is getting. Get in a little closer. Not too close, you people. <laughs> look at how e look how dark the darkness is getting. Get in a little bit closer. Guys, here's the thing. We we can we can either be a church like this and just go, you know what? We are we are going to um, hunker down and ride this evil out, right? And just focus on ourselves. Right? And, 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 and oh, by the way, in the meantime, blame and criticize everything that's going on out there with those people. We can, that, that is the church today. Or we can get over ourselves and do what Jesus told us to do 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. 2,000 years ago. He told us to go and make disciples of all nations. And we blame God for what's wrong in the world? Now, sometimes what that can look like, so let go of hands, is, is we, can, we can go, okay, well, I, I'm tired of this mess, so I'm going to come over here and I'm going to do my own thing, or I'm going to go be a missionary by myself. Or I'm gonna, that isn't healthy either. Because this person by himself is the first one to get eaten. Right? The way it works, so go back up there, turn around, hold hands. This is what a healthy church ought to look like. This is what a body of Christ ought to look like. It ought to look like a group of Christ followers holding on to each other going, I need help. I need strength. I need protection. I need accountability. I need to be part of something bigger than me. But I also, and the reason I need all that is because I'm looking out at a world that needs to get in here. That needs to get, not in here, into the body of Christ. All right, you guys can go ahead and sit down. Thank you guys for, for being voluntold what to do. Now, here's the beauty of it. We're going to transition, and I know we're over time. I also know it's not my fault, and that's okay. Um, the food will stay warm. We have a couple, and, and, and everybody here knows it, Taylor and Ferris. I'm going to invite you guys to come up, who are doing this very thing. They are making, like, like no other, honestly, like no other couple I know. I mean, you guys prayed for Carrie and I and our family, and it was very sweet, and I, and I so appreciated that. We didn't sell everything we owned and move to a foreign country. They are. But here's the other part, and the reason we want to not only is it worth talking more about because of that very thing, and we're going to pray over them in a few minutes. You guys get up on the stage. I don't know if we have two mics. I think we should somewhere. Um, or you can share. I don't know what you guys have planned to share. But guys, we, we need this part too. They're, they're, doing, they're doing this. But we, need, we have the responsibility of this. Keeping them connected. Keeping them supported. Keeping them encouraged. So take a minute and just hear more of their heart about this, and then we're going to pray over them um, and finish with, close with a song. Um, so yeah, go ahead and share. So in my personal reading, uh, over the past couple days, I've been going through Ecclesiastes. It's 
uh, it's a very bittersweet book. Um, I'd encourage you, if you have the time to read through it, it's only 12 chapters. You could probably get through it in 30, 40 minutes. Um, but it's written by King Solomon, the wisest man that the world's ever seen, one of the richest men the world's ever seen. He had all the gold and silver. He created all of these great works. He was a great leader of a country. He had the coolest Instagram. He married all the finest honeys. And at the very end of it, he croaks out this book, Ecclesiastes. He can't even write it. And it is where, if you've ever heard the term vanity of vanities, that's where it comes from. It says, all this stuff that I've done is ash. It is all going to be, it's either going to be inherited by some goofball that doesn't know what he's doing, or it's going to turn into, it's going to turn into dust. The only two things that last forever are the word of God and the souls of people. And those are the things that he says at the end of Ecclesiastes. Those are the only things that matter. And then I just want to share just a little bit of where I am at personally right now. And there is half of me that's over here that like cannot be more excited. Um, and I know that that excitement is coming from the Lord. So one of the things that happened, we had a garage sale and we had several days of a garage sale, a little longer than we went planned. Um, but on one of the last days, I got the chance of meeting a family. The husband's name was Manny. And we start talking and I'm practicing my Spanish as much as I can. So this is a Spanish speaking family. I find out that they're from Puerto Penasco. So we start talking and I start telling them like, I'm all excited. I'm like, oh, we're going to Puerto Penasco and we're going to, you know, we're going to share the hope of Christ. We're going to teach the Bible. So that's, that's why we're selling everything. Um, and so I'm like, hold on, hold on. Let me get you my email. So I go over, I grab one of our papers, which we have some for you guys if you want them. And it has our email on there. And I was like, here's our email so I can connect with you. And he looks at it and he sees the picture on there. And he's like, Pan de Vida? And I'm like, yes, that's Pan de Vida. And he's like, oh, do you know Celia? And Yako, and I'm like, oh, yes, I know Celia and Yako. And I was like, and do you know Teresita and Nayeli? And I am just like through the roof excited to meet somebody from our community. And it brings my mind back to these people that I've barely met. But the Lord has given me such a profound love for this community. And we knew it the moment we walked inside this building. And that is directly from the Lord. I couldn't have manufactured this. I was actually having a kind of a terrible time at the garage sale. But then he fills me with this love for his people. And I'm so excited. And we cannot wait for what the Lord is going to do. And we feel so over, we are so blessed to have this body of believers supporting us. And we could not do this alone. And I just keep looking around going, I'm the luckiest girl in the room. And I keep looking at him and I go, I can't believe we get to do this. So thank you for coming alongside of us. But also know, there's this other part of me. <laughs> that's over here that my heart's a little bit breaking um that's that is breaking because i also have a god-given love for the people in this room and just know that it is not for a lack of love it's because i love you that i'm leaving because the best thing i can do for you is to show you that i love jesus and he is worth absolutely everything. So I love you and I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because I know he's worth it. And I know that the same hurt that I have in my heart, 
is he's going to heal that same hurt in you. And he has everything he, that we need for life and godliness. And so this hurt that I'm feeling, I know some of you are sharing too, but just know he will heal that and he will restore that and that he is worth it all. And this is not a sad moment. This was something we will look back and we will all go, thank you, Jesus, for that hurt. Thank you, Lord, for that pain that you use this for your glory. And he is absolutely worth every moment of this temporary and light affliction because that is what it is in comparison to his great love and his majesty. So when um, the Apostle Paul spent early in his ministry, spends two years in Ephesus, loved those people. They loved him. And he's getting ready to leave because he knows, you know, my job, what God has called me to is to take the gospel to the world. And, and it talks about how much he sobbed. Like his heart, even though he knew, he knew it was what he was supposed to do. He knew it was the right thing to do. He knew it was the kingdom thing to do. And he sobbed, and so did the people who gathered around him and prayed over him. And so I'm going to ask the leaders of our church um, and their wives, those that are here in town this weekend, if you would come up, um, because what they did before he left was they laid hands. Um, they laid hands on him, and they prayed for him. And so we're going to take a minute, and we're going to lay hands on um, Taylor and Farron, and I'll ask all of you to participate in a different way in just a minute. Um, because it's just a biblical thing for us to take this time and acknowledge their sacrifice. And then, and then we're going to have lots of time. Hopefully all of you will get a chance to do a couple of things. One, before you leave today, talk with them. right? Share, share a meal. We, we ordered a bunch of pizzas. Brian just went and got them, so there's food here. Um, and so just like, yeah, and encourage one another and encourage them. The other thing is there is a sign back there in the back of the room for you to write a message to them that they're going to take with them. It's got a picture of the church. So write on there um, just some thoughts, if you would, before you leave. So do those two things. So please stay and share a meal, but also um, be sure you, at the very least, be sure you sign that before you leave. Um, there's one other scene in, in Scripture that I, I always think about when I get to this um, we call them like gospel goodbyes, but goodbye is not really the right word. It just rhymes with gospel. Um, but, or it starts with the same letter. It doesn't rhyme, but you, you know what I, you knew what I meant. But it's just this idea that, that like the, like people, God's people going has always been part of God's plan. So in Exodus, we talked about, somebody prayed about the Red Sea. I think it was Debbie was praying about the parting of the Red Sea. So right before that happens in Exodus chapter 33, um, God is getting ready to send his people into the land he promised. He's getting ready to send his people into the mission field, right, to take over the land. And Moses is like, yeah, but, but man, unless you go with me, I don't want to go. Right? Unless your presence is with us, don't send us. And so he says this. This is Exodus 33, starting in verse 13. I'm just going to read four verses. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, and you guys have, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, this nation is your people. And he said, this is God speaking, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. 
And he says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? And how, what, how will this be known that these are your people? Is it not you going with us that makes us distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that I have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know your name. If you guys agree, I would just ask you where you're at just to put your hand out. It's a way to pray. So Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, I thank you for the mystery and the majesty that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the beauty that is your son and the example of sacrifice that he gave to us and the, and the command to sacrifice that he gives to us. Come and follow me. And they left everything, dropped their nets, and followed Jesus. That's what Taylor and Farron are doing now. They are dropping their nets, but they're not disconnecting. They're not saying goodbye. They're doing just the opposite. They're saying, we are going to be the tip of the spear for this body and their friends and family to come alongside them and pierce this present darkness in Pondavita. Lord, I, I pray in advance what we, already, what we just read, that like you did for Moses and your people, that you, you know them. You know them by name. Isaiah tells us that you called out the stars and called them all by name. And he also says, you are mine. That's what you're saying. You're saying, that, so I, I pray that even in the next 24 hours, as, as the emotion of this continues to be ever more real to them, that, you, that they would just hear your voice saying, you are mine, you are mine, you are mine. And that everything else would just matter a little less. But I thank you for their willingness to go. I thank you for their willingness to be that tip of the spear. I thank you for the privilege of being able to partner with them individually and as a family and as a church family. Lord, I want to pray in advance that, that you would go before them, even, even as they go to language school and as they um, interact with people on weekend missions trips, that they would just see that their hearts would be encouraged, Lord, because they see, just, just like you did with, with, during the garage sale, that they would see evidences of your grace all over the ministry. Lord, I, I pray that you would even now, even, even, even now, be preparing hearts in Mexico. Lord, I pray that you would, um, you say that you're, that, that you're the one that causes the growth. You're using them to plant seeds. Lord, use us too. Help us to see individually, as families, and as a church family, how we can come alongside them, how we can partner with them, how we can even go to them. Lord, I pray that you would use all of this, that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that you would get the glory. Lord, the mission you have called us to, 
is a mission to come and die with you. That we might have life. And life to the full. So I am excited for Taylor and Farron. We are excited for Taylor and Farron. We are excited that they are going to experience life to the full like they've never experienced in their lives. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us the privilege of taking the gospel to the world. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.